Now, to see if you will really attack your hero. <laughs> yes! Yes! Work the groin! Excuse me, could you take our picture? I, uh... It should focus automatically. It do. Chief, you might want to take a look outside. That's it! Kill Krusty! Just like you'll kill him tomorrow night! Oh, it's so great to see a kid using a wooden bat. These days, it's all aluminum this and George W. that. Hey, Chief, look what I got in my Laffy Meal. Oh, mini pinball. Hey, give that back. Give what back, Lou? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF10. It is Day of the Jack and Apes. I am Dando. I am Guy, and I'm feeling very edgy cute as we record this episode. How are you feeling, Mr. Really Dando? I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. I, I had that in my notes. I'm like, that is the best descriptive word ever. Edgy I've, cute. I think it <laughs> subs up this podcast very nicely. Edgy cute. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the cute and who's the edgy? Oh, look, I think you're both of those, mate, and I'm kind of neither. Oh, <laughs> I'm the hyphen in between so the two. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Day of the Jack and Apes, this is the first... I didn't realise this is the first Sideshow Bob episode that they've had since, like, season eight. It's been nearly four complete seasons. I think it was, like, episode 16 of season eight where Sideshow Bob last appeared. I just could not believe it'd be such a big gap, and... Honestly, I had no idea they had such a long distance between episodes with Sideshow Bob. They just wanted to bring him back so they can work with Kelsey Grammer again. I was about to say, why Why do you think that's the case? Do you think Kelsey was probably busy working on Frasier or something? Or uh... he That would have been a big part of it. He would have been very busy with Frasier. I mean, that was the number one comedy on television at that point. Wouldn't it be? About the late 90s? I mean, Seinfeld finished in 98. So mm. Frasier was the one winning all the awards. I guess he had Friends. Friends was pretty big at the time. Raymond. But Frasier was the one winning all the awards, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Frasier was the sophisticated show for the uh, comedy connoisseur. That's right, yeah. So the last Sideshow Bob episode was Brother from Another Series in 1997. We're now after 2001. That's the one where uh, David Hyde Pierce appears in the, uh, in the episode. Oh, and nice. plays Sideshow Bob's brother, Cecil. Ah, Frasier and Niles reunion, or Frasier and Niles uh, taking it to another level or taking it to another format. Good on them. Definitely. Now, the thing is, the thing is this about uh, this episode... It didn't really, I don't know, for me it didn't really hit the mark if you're looking at it from a consistent point of view because in the last time we saw, in the last episode we saw Sideshow Bob with uh, Cecil, his brother, Sideshow Bob was actually the good one and Cecil was the evil one. He Bob had no intentions of hurting Bart. He actually saved Bart in that episode and because the, you know, the Springfield Police Department are really bad at their jobs, they just throw Sideshow Bob <laughs> into prison because they just blame him because it's Sideshow Bob when really he did nothing wrong. But then in this episode, he just wants to kill Bart again. I was like, did you forget what your last story was? Yeah, true. But look, this is me uh, justifying that whole kind of thing. I think by this stage, if you're looking for continuity, uh, you, you, <laughs> you, you, that, you might be a bit of a sucker. Um, <laughs> Joke's I, on you, dickhead. I'm not, I'm not calling you a sucker, and, and I'm not calling those people who, who, um, who uh, you know, like a bit of consistency in their, uh, in their comedy a sucker either. But, uh, yeah, I think it, 
I think by 12 seasons in, you're probably like, eh, let's just make with the funny and, you know... I think the people. I think the people out there like the uh, the whole uh, tense and uh, somewhat fraught relationship between Bart and Bob. So they just decided to go back to that. Well, see, the thing is, though, you say like make of the funny. After watching the latest Treehouse of Horror last week's from season thirty-two, which, can, in my opinion, didn't have any jokes in it, this is like <laughs> a laughing stock. Like th- th- this episode is just full of laughter because, man. I don't know what happened in that latest Trials of Horror. I was so ant for it, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. I did see that you were uh, yeah, taking issue with it on social media. You, you were that annoyed that you actually went public with it. You made it Facebook official that you were not happy with Treehouse of Horror. Now, look, I've, I've got that in the queue to be watched, so I, I cannot share my thoughts with it, uh, share my thoughts about it with you just yet. But uh, the minute I do, I will either, I'll probably get on Facebook and say, Dan, I was right. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, look. We should do an audio commentary on everything we didn't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, look, I, I actually didn't mind this episode. I, I can't say that it made me laugh consistently and thoroughly, but um, I got you know, a few good chuckles out of it and one legitimate long belly laugh, which we'll talk about probably in my favorite moments. But uh, well, I, I, I actually, I, re- I did really enjoy this. It was a lot weaker than the usual Sideshow Bob episodes. And I think I tried to, I was sitting there going, why is that? What is it about this one that I don't seem to sort of feel as invested as the other Sideshow Bob episodes? And I put it down to this. In the previous Sideshow Bob episodes where he's got a scheme going, throughout the episode, you know he's up to something, but you don't quite know what. And uh, you are, as the viewer, are trying to work it out. And that's the fun of the story. Like, what's he doing here? You're sort of like, and you sort of love, live vicariously through Bart and Bart and Lisa are usually the ones to catch him. But in this one here, he reveals his plan. So the whole episode is just him getting to the, the moment. It's just kind of like, there's nothing to really, it's not like a, a mystery. It's just, oh yeah, he's going to kill Krusty and he's going to use Bart to do it. It's like, okay, so you've told us what he's going to do in the first act. So what's the point of the rest of it? Like why, there's nothing to sort of invest myself in here. That The, the, the fun of the Sideshow Bob episodes is trying to work out what he's up to when this one here is like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. You think, they, you think he showed his hand too early? Okay, one hundred percent. Yeah, they, they 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 just revealed it all. They revealed his plot straight away, and I went, oh, okay. Well, that's no fun. I can I can understand why you might be disappointed in that, but I guess they thought they were you know throwing a bit of a uh, a monkey in the wrench, so to speak, by you know having that reverse at the end when uh, oh oh Krusty and Krusty actually likes Bob or Krusty actually respects Bob, and you know then they have to. Uh, uh, reverse the plan or, you know, sort of uh, change the scheme on the fly. So, look, it's it's not a great uh, plot twist or plot development, but it certainly is, you know, different to the usual uh, Bart-Bob shenanigans, let's say. What were your thoughts on the, on the execs side of things in this episode? To me, I thought it went a little bit too far, but what about you? Uh, you no, know, I agree with you on that. I think that it, it was... Uh, too slim a joke to stretch as far as they did. And the whole kind of, yeah. the recurring motif of, oh, I was just thinking that. It's like, uh, it's it's not that funny a line that you can turn it into a bit. I completely agree. And I, I, so I looked it up and Al Jean wrote this episode. And Al Jean, who was the showrunner with Mike Reese in the earlier seasons, he left to go start his own show on a different network called The Critic. Do you know the show The Critic? I'm aware Roberts? of The Critic. It stinks. Yes, it stinks. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Uh, Jay Sherman. So... I, whilst I was doing that show, that show basically failed, tanked horribly. And they think that a, a lot of the reasons for that happening was because the executives from the station got too involved. Um, so he, when he came back to The Simpsons, 
he incorporated his hatred of the executives from working on that show into this show. And to me, I read that and go, you know what, mate? You really should leave your bitterness from another show away from this and don't try and incorporate it into this because whilst you might find it as a funny in-joke, as a viewer, we don't give a shit. No, dear Dan, I'm 100% with you on that, mate. I mean, yeah, just, you know, you got trouble at the office. Yeah, leave it at the office. Go home and grass to your wife. Go home and, you know, sort of uh, drown your troubles in your... uh, you know your huge pool in your back in the backyard of your mansion, Algene. Um, exactly, because <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I don't think it's much fun for the listeners. I, I mean, or much fun for the viewers. I, I think you know, no. there's a handful of the viewers who would probably go, "Oh wow, it's sort of like glimpse behind the scenes. Oh, it's a bit of you know, sort of inside gossip about what it's like between you know the the relationship between the Simpsons creative team and the and the Fox uh, you know executives and all that kind of stuff." Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, yeah, I'm weathering that. Not, I'm gathering that ninety-five percent of the viewers are probably going to go. Yeah, <laughs> you mean look, it was, Lindsay Nagel is one of the suits. I'm getting. It looked like Lindsay Nagel. Yeah, well, uh, Lindsay Nagel is sort of just like the, the wise guy of executives. Whenever they have an executive, it's just Lindsay Nagel. <laughs> yes, and also wise guy showed up in this episode. Huzzah! And he got a he got a name. Raphael. He's Rafa. He's Raphael. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, which I quite like because one of my young buddies is named Raph. Hey, Raph, how you doing? Yes. Bro? Hey, Raph, I think Raph, are you used to listen to the show? I don't know whether he gave up by now. Hopefully he's shot back on board because he's your mate. <laughs> I think he still listens. <laughs> okay. And if not, well, hello, if not I'll, tell him, I'll tell him he got a shout on this episode and he better start, you know, forking over some of that sweet, sweet Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if he wants yeah, to I, 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 shout outs. <laughs> but my, uh, my, my point being though, is I just don't yes. like that the show is now starting to get used for their own, you know, the writer's own personal agendas. I was like, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, don't do it as much as you did in this episode. Yeah, the yeah, um, if, if, the execs just felt like uh, dead weight, really. And I mean, even with, even with even with the payoff at the end, it's kind of like, yeah, there's no real point to that. <laughs> no, no, no. You've, you've you've had the executives. This, this is the thing. This is a story. It feels like a rehash story. You've had the executives trying to tell Krusty to switch things up all the time. I'm pretty sure that's why the uh, Poochie episode existed. It was the exact same yeah. fucking story. Yeah. Now that's the thing. I mean, the the execs worked in the Poochie story, um, but it did. It felt it felt like they were utilized for a different joke or a different, uh, you know, storytelling uh, issue than uh, than with this one. This felt just like sort of you know point scoring or score settling or whatever. Hey, my favorite. So, what was your favorite moment from the episode, Mister Davis? I was oh, look. I had a few. I broke. I broke out my uh, multicolored pack of highlighters this time around, so I could uh, highlight in orange the trivia questions, but highlight in green my favorite parts. And there are about three Ooh, or like four. No, no more confusion. <laughs> no more confusion. I won't be uh, saying. <laughs> I won't be turning a trivia question into a favorite moment anymore. But uh, highlight in green. Well, one of the things was yes that the wise guy had a name. His name is Raphael, and he said no problemo. <laughs> I love the wise guy. The wise guy's great. Um, uh, let's see. Of course, there was a flag. <laughs> you know, Homer's waving a flag this time for game shows. Um, I saw the flag. I do love the fact that they're stuck with it. It's a great gag that they incorporated. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I love that um, Clancy Wigan was so happy with, oh, mini pinball. <laughs> <laughs> when they were yeah. at Krusty Boo. <laughs> that was a, I, I can't recall having ever heard him so joyful about something. I mean, I know he occasionally gets, you know, fired up about stuff, but, oh, mini pinball. That was, I did, that was I did, really I, nice. 
I do like it when he's uh, in the 22 short films when he's crossing the street. You got donuts. I've got donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but my favourite moment, just one little bit, uh, was was when um, yes, during Crossy's last episode when the full monkey is happening and you just hear over the audience, take it off, take it off. That's my favourite moment. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just laugh for about a minute. <laughs> just Homer's taken off and so happy that he gets like the pants or whatever. Oh my God, I laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page with that because that just, yeah, that just made me giggle like crazy. Take it off. <laughs> to the did, did you have any other favourite bits and pieces from this episode? Oh man, well that was my absolute number one for sure. Um, I'm glad that that was the moment because I was going to say, please tell me it's the monkey moment. But also... Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed. So when Cletus has got the camera and he's just like, when he says the line, it do. <laughs> it do. <laughs> <laughs> because it reminds me of one of, and she actually gets mentioned in this episode, Judge Judy. That's our guilty pleasure. So you've got 90 Day Fiance. We've got Judge Judy. I did and notice that there had, was a Judge Judy shout out and I thought, Dan, I'll be very happy with that. Yes. Yes, I certainly was. And it's funny. It, you know, it's funny. So that was 2001. She's still on television. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So yeah, so the, once they're on this show, they had these these girls on, and they're just like straight up ghetto. And then Judge Judy goes, "So is she the one that owns the car?" No, no. She, she goes, "So who's the one that owns the car?" And the girl goes, "She do." And <laughs> it just reminds me so much. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. Whenever someone does something, I always go to Nicola. She do or he do. <laughs> Next question. You there eating the paste? Okay, Four Figure Discount Trivia is brought to you by our $20 patrons. We're going to give them all some shout-outs right about now. We've got Jordan, Molman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zerr, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Kel McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Weimixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, and Jonathan Ross. You guys are all absolute dead set legends. Don't forget, guys, if you want to be a $20 patron where you not only get to Zoom, guy myself on a regular basis, and get your name right out on each and every podcast, but you also get an officially licensed stonecutter ring. Plus, I've also got another another gift lined up for the $20 patrons who have stuck around past the three-month threshold. So stay tuned for that one, guys. We're going to announce it in the next week or two. I'm also going to give shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons as well. We've got Mr. Hamish Patterson and Joshua Webb. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, get a bunch of exclusive podcasts in return. Uh, you're just going to be a four-finger discount patron. Patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Now it's time for some trivia. I'm going to kick off. Mr. Davis, are you ready? I am. I was born ready. What is the name of the host of Me Wanty? <laughs> That's my first question. <laughs> of it is. Okay, on one, two, three. Virgil, Virgil Sinclair. Sinclair. <laughs> okay. Um, on to our next question. <laughs> yeah, what's your second question? <laughs> um, what is the name, the, the full name of the woman and dog act featured on Krusty's show? Oh, it's Madame Mimi. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, uh, cheese. Seeking Poodles. Oh, right. you got it. Oh, yes. you nailed it. Well done. I was thinking of um, cheese-eating surrender monkeys when, when he said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my second question is, how many years has Krusty spent in show business? Uh, 61. 
That is correct. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me because how fucking old is Krusty? That's true. Yeah, that, 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 that makes no sense at all. Because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, when was this episode? 2001. So we would have started in, what, 1940. Oh, goodness. Well, they said, well, we had a, a clip in 1967, didn't he? In one yeah, of the and he looked like a little yeah. child clown then. Yeah. What is the tartan style of the plaid kilt found in the Lost and Found? Uh, no, I don't know, but Willie was very disappointed. <laughs> he was, but it is Graham of Montrose. Okay. I just thought they were all the same. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Tartan is uh, very individual. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I did feel sorry for Willie being out there in his undies. Same here. <laughs> but but you know he's got such shapely legs he can sort of pull off just the just rocking with the jocks. He certainly could. My final right, so question is: This is what time? How many times has Krusty retired? This is how many times? He's what time? Is it his sixth? Fifth. Fifth. Almost. Yeah, because I wrote down. Uh, yeah, Krusty has retired more than Farnsey. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Uh, Kiss. Kiss as well. Um, a few farewell tours. Um, who else has done a lot of farewell tours? I think that the listeners some, might be aware of. I think Frank Sinatra had a lot. Did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that wraps up trivia for this week, Mr. Davis. Shall we get into our review? Let's get into the review. The original air date of Dead Jack and Ape was February 18th, 2001. The chalkboard gag is the hamster did not have a full life. And the couch gag is it's a Sigmund Freud esque kind of like psychologist on the side. Homer walks in and says, "Oh, doctor, I'm crazy." Indeed. Now he jumps on the couch. Now before we go into the episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to this title. Now you know we've got the Guy Davis new name challenge and all that kind of stuff, and we get so many good names, and often they're better than the actual uh, title of the show. And I'm sure that we're going to have some good ones this time around. But Day of the Jack and Apes, it's a good title, and I'll tell you why, Dando. Um, first of all, Day of the Jack and Apes, it's a bit of a play on Day of the Jackal, which was a, uh, a novel by Frederick Forsyth that was turned into a film, and then it was remade later as The Jackal with uh, Bruce Willis and Richard Gere. But it's about, um, mm. it's about an assassin who's hired to take out the president or the prime minister of France. So that's that uh-huh. angle. But a Jack and Apes, a Jack and Apes is, I looked up on the dictionary.com for this. Uh, it's a bit of an old term, but it has couple of meanings, one of which is like a young whippersnapper. I think that's a word we could use to describe our friend Bart Simpson. But Bart another Simpson, yeah. one is a tame monkey. And a tame monkey does play uh-huh. a fairly pivotal role in this episode. He does the full monkey. He does indeed. And then he blows up a, a room full of execs. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, spoilers, we'll get to that eventually. But uh, So, yeah, well done. Um, it's Al Jean, you said, who wrote this episode. So, yeah, look, he, he did all this crap with the, uh, you know, paying out on the executives and all that, but he did come up with a pretty neat title. I'm not sure whether if you write the episode, that means you actually come up with the title, though. I feel like the title would be like a, a, a joint effort. You think it would be team. a group effort? You think they'd sort of like, all right, guys, whoever comes up with the best title, it's, uh, you know, uh, free beers or something, or you get a... You know. Yeah, yeah, get, get to rub Matt Granning's feet on the plane. <laughs> wow, what a treat. Alrighty, so the episode kicks off with something that I felt went absolutely nowhere and wasted a lot of time. <laughs> the Me Wanty, which was a piss take on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was a big, big show at the time. Don't get me wrong, every country every country had their own Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Indeed, including India, where they had a slumdog millionaire. That is correct, yes, but it just went on and on and on. Mo wins, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really... Do much beyond that, did it? I mean, uh, how long do you think that uh, that whole sort of bit ran? Probably about three or four minutes, maybe longer. Oh, at, at least at least two to three minutes after the credits, I would assume. And the, the fact that, like, I mean, I, I get it; they needed something for the executives to say, "We need your show to be more like this." But to spend three minutes on it, 
I was just sort of thought, oh, there, there wasn't enough. There was no gags in there. Not Does really. No. The, 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 the only gag was the sort of the the piss take on the who wants to be a millionaire concept. Yeah, that was it, really. And I think, I think, um, I, I can't be a hundred percent sure on this, although Google probably is. But I think who wants to be a millionaire was a Fox show as well. So it might have been. We'll a, find out, shall we? Let's find out, rather than just pointlessly speculate. I mean, we've got the whole world of knowledge. That, 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 that was that was that was Mitch's forte. I'm just going to assume and never research. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I did I did a fair bit of research. I did that whole Jack and Apes thing. Were you are you comparing me to Mitch? Don't compare me to Mitch. You've done more research in the first 30 minutes of this podcast than Mitch did in the first 10 seasons of this podcast. So <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> That's we a, love you, Stop Mitch. comparing me to your ex. <laughs> If you love Mitch so much, why don't you marry him? He <laughs> uh, wants to be a millionaire US. I'm just going to Google it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on the ABC. Oh, okay then. Hmm. Well, okay. Rather than this being a sort of a sly marketing tie-in, it's more of a piss take. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Mo wins the five... Mo wins half a million dollars. What does he do with it? That, I think it would have been funny if they tied that into somewhere towards the end of the episode where you see Mo wasting all his money or doing something with the money. Like he wins $500,000 and it's just never spoken of again. I felt I like that, there needed to be a follow-up. There needed to be a follow-up to that, you know? They're really, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, the only things I really dug about that whole me wanty thing were, um, well, of course, the flag that says game shows um, and most saying, well, I do like currency. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just found that funny. Um, but yeah, otherwise, eh, you're right. I mean, not especially funny, and, yeah, you're right, added nothing to the uh, overall episode. I mean, we, I think we've gotten used to now, by now to the inciting incident or the few minutes beforehand that'll sort of set up the actual meat of the episode. But, yeah, this really had not much to do with it at all. Yeah, as, as you said, other than, uh, yeah, Krusty, make your show more like this. But I yep. think there are uh, a million and one other ways you could have done that. And they use the, the great descriptive words of warm and educute. And except <laughs> true, <laughs> um, but yeah. So basically, they say to Krusty, "We want your show to be more like this, more razzle dazzle." We then cut to the Krusty show, and Madam Mimi and the cheese seeking po- uh, poodles are there. The executives are they're interfering with the show? They're all over the show, and then they are uh, they even interfere during a sketch where they tell him to give, give him some notes and some tips. And that's when Indeed. Krusty says he's had enough, and this Friday will be his last. This is the thing. So, what day of the week did he do this? Because how did he set up this big finale show in like a day? <laughs> <laughs> Look, well, as we said, Krusty's been around for six decades and change. I mean, I think he can pretty much do stuff on the fly. That is true, yes. Yeah. Now, I'd just like to add something as well because, you know, this episode is going to be heavy on guy-splaining. Um, but um, I do like that uh, Krusty breaks out a bit of Yiddish and refers to the uh, executive's notes as fakakta. Um yeah, which uh, I also looked up, which which it means it's uh, it's rubbish or really crap. <laughs> okay, or oh, really crap. But I think actual- I think you could I think you could probably you know uh, infer that from uh, from you know the way Krusty says it. But I don't know I'm a fan of Yiddish. I'm a fan of like Yiddish. I do like uh, it. It, it, it's all it's all in the delivery, isn't it? The way they deliver the words, you're like, oh no. If I read that, I wouldn't know what it meant. But the way you've said it, I know exactly what it's meant to what it's meant to represent in English. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yutz or yeah, putz or yeah, yeah, schmuck or yeah, schmendrick. <laughs> but for yeah, hey, for It reminds me of uh of um Jeff Goldblum's dad in um 
Independence Day. Oh, in Independence Day, yeah, Judd Hirsch, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I say this with, with all love and respect in my heart, probably the most Jewish man on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's so great. It also it reminds me of um, the, uh, the nanny, Fran Drescher, just, oi. Oi. <laughs> our, our Jewish friends are responsible for some of the, uh, some of, you know, the greatest comedy ever, ever put down. 100%. So all right, so we're up to uh, Madame Mimi and her cheese-seeking poodles. The the execs come on to yeah give us give Fakakta notes. Yeah, uh, and Krusty says that this Friday's his last. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, and yeah. also, yes, they get him to substitute. This was one of my questions, by the way. What did Krusty Krusty have to substitute uh, P for? And the word was whiz. So the family are all having dinner. They can't believe that Krusty's going to be retiring again. Homer tries to imagine a world without Krusty. <laughs> what are you watching? <laughs> Nazi the clown. <laughs> <laughs> I did like just the. <laughs> there's no reaction at all. Yeah, it's just you know, just you know, oh. takes another bite. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was good. Kind of, yeah, I think I think that was funnier than any reaction he could have done. Yeah, life will move on. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the the meta gag of stale and repetitive. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. Maggie shot Mr. Burns again. I feel like the Simpsons are reminding their viewers a little too much about the show not being as good as it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's one thing to sort of uh, poke fun at yourself, but uh, yeah, to do it at this stage of the proceedings when people are probably already saying this a fair bit amongst their friends. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's like, like, like... I think it was back in like Salasaur Galactica that they made us realise that the show's starting to repeat storylines and things like that. And then they go, mm. does anybody care what this guy thinks? No. And I'm like, That's a, that, was, that was enough. You made us aware that you're aware of what's happening, yeah. of what the, uh, the outside noise is. You have to keep telling us. Like, it's kind of like their way of covering up for the fact that, I won't say it was like laziness, but I, I feel like it's almost their way of saying, hey, you know what? We know that the show's not as good as it is anymore, mm. but hey, what are we going to do about it? Like, yeah, you know, good. Look, our hit miss ratio is like maybe you know seventy thirty. I, mean, I think we're still doing pretty well. You know, yeah, occasionally, occasionally we're going to repeat a gag, and look, we know it, and we'll let you know it because we're all friends here. It's like, mm, are we? <laughs> <laughs> we we are. We're all friends here. <laughs> uh, we get the Brockman news report. The kids are all sad at the studio. So <laughs> as William says, it's time to to fire out the uh, the timeout gas. <laughs> See the kids just scatter. <laughs> Then he tries to guess where the weather girl is, which city. It's an eight-year-old uh, competition or whatever. And then we get the Krusty interview. And I really enjoyed this. Almost made my favorite moments. I spoke to Krusty about his legacy of laughter. Kent, the young people today, they think comedy is dirty words. It's not. It's words that sound dirty, like muckluck. <laughs> <laughs> muckluck. You like that? No charge. Muckluck. <laughs> Michael, that just—it <laughs> is good. That that actually does. That's good comedy wisdom right there. Yes, one hundred percent is. You don't have to swear, Michael. It just—it's a funny word. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly—it's certainly amusing you. But I really liked the condescending uh, comments from Krusty. I you, you like that? That's a free one, huh? You like that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that that made me love that. That's a free one for you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so good. Um, it's kind of like reminds me of when you get um, 
when you know news anchors interview people who do like the voice cast of the Simpsons, for example, and they give them like a little sound bite, just like a couple of words in their voice, and the anchors just burst out laughing. The the, the voice actors like, there you go, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just in, in their heads, they're just like, you dickhead. <laughs> that one's on the um, ass. <laughs> um, the yeah, the parole. Um, we got the. I'm oh, sorry. So Sideshow Bob's watching the uh, the interview, and this is where Krusty reveals that he taped over all the old episodes of the Krusty show that featured Sideshow Bob. With both Judge Judy episodes. I mean, I would do the same thing. Now, do you know that was a um a take on uh was based on the Johnny Carson show. Um, a lot of the early episodes got taped over when I when I'm making the show with new episodes. So they didn't. Oh, they, didn't, they, they reused old tapes. So a lot of the early episodes are are gone from history. Oh my god, I, I I know that that happened. I know it happened a lot in Australia. I didn't know it happened with Carson. That's really interesting, mm. actually. But I mean, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. the ABC back in the eighties and that you know times were so tight that um. Yeah, they taped over a bunch of stuff that they put to air. I mean, uh, there was a show that I remember watching as a kid uh, when I was about 10 years old. It was back in 1980. It was this science fiction thing called Time Lapse. Um, It was set in 1980, but then this guy, this scientist, got cryogenically frozen and woken up in the dystopian future of 1991. (laughs) 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 But it it was actually a really good show. Well, from what I remember, you know, 40 years ago or whatever, but I remember thinking, that's not a bad idea. Um, well, but was that, show, was-, was that show taped over, was it? And I think I think it's been taped over because I I think when I was used to write about TV, I contacted someone at the ABC or I was speaking to someone at the ABC and I said, there was this show that the ABC ran called Time Lapse. I thought it was really good. Is there... Would, they, would you ever repeat it or anything like that or put it on iView? And they were like, oh, no, I think they got taped over. A lot of stuff got taped over. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, from the <laughs> national broadcaster? Bloody hell. <laughs> uh, maybe it's best that it just stays in your memory maybe look I, it, it could well be an inception thing I mean uh, maybe no one else has heard of this show maybe you just created this show in your mind <laughs> Ooh, in that case hmm, off, off to the off to final draft software and yeah time to create a new the, the next Australian classic Set in 1991 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um, okay so Sideshow Bob sees that by the way he's reading Prison Bride magazine is he really? I didn't notice that actually, but yeah, he's he's furious that you know you've erased my past, so now I will erase your future. And he, I think he's sent to bed. Oh, but Chino gets to stay uh, stay up till nine. Uh, I've contacted the guards there, Bob, and that's just not true. I did <laughs> like that guard. He sounded a bit like Wise Guy, and then actual Wise Guy showed up. Yes, yeah. So it's time for the parole hearing for Bob, and he explains. I thought you would have dug the Tom Clancy gag here. What do you think? I didn't mind it. And look, I've. I've watched a, a lot of Tom Clancy movies. I don't think I've ever actually read a Tom Clancy book, though. Have you read any, like Unfred October or Patriot Games? No, I haven't, no. But um, I, I, that's why I was just going to ask you, is it, is it justified what he says here? Because it seems that people weren't, like the people in the parole hearing weren't approving of what he said. Secondly, the prison book club consists mainly of prisoners who club me with books. These are from the new Tom Clancy, although it's less painful than reading him. Am I right, folks? So, because Bob's getting treated bad in prison, they grant him parole. <laughs> okay. And-, <laughs> and you were looking for realism and continuity in this uh, yes. in the Simpsons, Dando. Come on, man. And uh, he walks out. Do they always do they always do the Cape Fear thing? Oh, look, it's, it's been a while since I've seen some other Sideshow Bob episodes, and I, I'm, apologies, I didn't revisit all of them in, in talking about Day of the Jack and Apes. But when he leaves prison, do they always do that Cape, thing, Cape Fear thing with the Cape Fear music? That boom, and he walks into the camera? Or did they just be do it for this episode? It, it wouldn't be a Sideshow Bob episode without it. It wasn't until that music started that it went, oh yeah, now it starts to feel like a Bob episode. Okay, so yeah, they, all, yeah. they always do the Cape <clears throat> Fear thing. 
Yeah, ever since Cape Fear. Because I know Fear, that I know that you know there was one there was one called Cape Fear, uh, a sideshow Bob yeah, episode yeah. called Cape Fear. Yes, yeah, yeah, which was from season four, but it carried over to season five. I think it was episode one of season yeah. five. But um, yeah, that's that's defined as like one of the you know top shelf episodes of The Simpsons. And ever yeah. since that episode, he's that that's like now the sideshow Bob theme because it's not. I don't think it's the Cape Fear theme, but it's very inspired by it. Yeah, well, I mean, that, there's a there's a scene in the in the Scorsese remake of Cape Fear where, yeah, De Niro's let out of prison and he just basically walks straight into the camera and the, yeah, this sideshow Bob scene's a lot like that and it's got that same sort of music that. Bah, 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 bah. By yeah. the way, I don't know if you've revisited Cape Fear recently, the Robert De Niro Nick Nolte Jesse not, Lang one. No. It's it's a nasty movie, man. It's violent and it's you know kind of. Yeah. I remember it making me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> Yes, it's a very discomforting movie, but it's great. I should rewatch it soon. So where are we have to, yeah. So so basically, Bob's been let out. He's walking out. We can try to stop him, but because he's got little hooves, he can't keep up. <laughs> a lot of Clancy in this episode. A lot of Wiggum. Yeah. A lot of Chief Wiggum. And I, and getting, I, I was always ha- I was very happy every time he showed up. He, it was a lot of good stuff from Clancy in this episode. We're getting a lot more Wiggum than we used to. I feel. I feel like they're sort yeah. of they're, start, they're starting to realize. Wait a minute, this guy's actually funnier than a one line. He's not just a one-trick pony. There's more to it. Yeah, he's not just... Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to the um, the Broken Dream storage locker and we get <laughs> Raphael, aka the wise guy. I, um, I'll tell you right now, if I went to a trivia a trivia night last week I, and someone asked what's the wise guy's real name, couldn't have told you. Like I don't, It completely caught me off guard. I'm like, Raphael? What? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he wants to um, stay in the locker, much like everybody else. He wakes up and Gil you know, introduces himself and I, I like this here. So everyone is planning, a, a, everyone's plotting a revenge, uh, some, <laughs> some revenge plan and Bob's like, well, mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Kelsey Grammer can, he's good at a lot of stuff, but he's very good at that kind of self-impressed pompousness. I well, think it's, 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 very, it's very Fraser, isn't it? It's very Fraser. But, yeah, very Fraser, yeah. But uh, I don't know, I mean... One other thing, I'm also I'm always glad to hear Kelsey Grammer do voiceover because he's got such a lovely voice. I mean, it's just it's like caramel, I tell you. It really is. You could literally listen to him talk about anything, couldn't you? You could very much. Yes, it's a lovely voice. It's like butter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Bob applies for the position of assistant Janet up and ends up getting the job as the morning announcement. Yeah, man. see, because I mean, yeah, you know, Skinner clearly agrees. Yeah, they have a lot in common about uh, killing Bart. Like, they make a joke about it. <laughs> That's right. That kid's never going down. He's like the roadrunner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I gave Skinner the wise guy voice just then. I think I think, I think, think wise guy voice is kind of my default in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the classic, it begins with the laughter. We come back from commercial. Good morning, Springfield Elementary. In the lost and found today, we have one plaid kilt. Oh, I believe the clan is Graham of Montrose. Oh. This new morning announcer sounds awfully familiar. And finally, Bart Simpson should immediately proceed unescorted to the old sports equipment shed behind the school. <laughs> <laughs> so long, suckers. <laughs> Now, as he was walking through, I believe this was a Nightmare on Elm Street homage. 
Um, look, it, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that, that whole Ring a Ring of Rosie song, that's, that song's just creepy enough without sort of, you know, creepy children's voices. I mean, because that song's about the plague, essentially. That song's yeah. about the Black Death. Uh, yes, but having children does it. It's very kind of, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, that Which, might be where yeah. I'm confusing it, yeah. <laughs> um, but but Bass not afraid of Bob at all. He says, you know, because every time I you know, come in contact with you, you end up in prison. But in, as soon as that happened, I went, but wouldn't you not be afraid of him because he saved you last time and he's a good sure. person? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but then Bob ends up standing on a rake. And I thought that was a nice little uh, flashback there or a little um, throwback, I should say. A little shout out. Yep. He reveals the plan to kill Krusty. To me, just I felt like revealing the plan here just sort of spoiled the episode a little bit to me. <laughs> Look, I, I, I can't say I agree with you on that point. It didn't really sort of uh, bum me out that much. Um, and like I said, I mean, it was such it was a bit of a swerve from the way things normally go. Uh, so I was interested to see how it would actually play out. I mean, I've, I had a fair guess how it would play out, but um, I must admit my my interpretation of things didn't involve a monkey. So yeah. One point to the Simpsons team, zero points to Guy Davis. But uh, so he, he, he somehow uh, hypnotizes Bart with a dartboard, <laughs> yeah, turning it into a pinwheel. Yes, let it let it entrance you with its twirliness. I am at your command. No power. Wait, no, no. Go back to command. No power. <laughs> Marge says that. Uh, so this is just another way of getting the Simpsons family all there. Oh, look, Krusty invited us to the farewell show. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> uh, that was, that's, that's very sitcom-y, isn't it? That's very sort yeah. of Brady Bunchy or whatever. It's like, hey, gang. Yeah, hey, I've, Dad's got a convention in Hawaii and we're all going. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'll roll with it. You know, always nice when the, when the Bradys go to Hawaii or when the Simpsons go out and do something as a family. It's nice. Uh, Bart was um, Bart walks in He's in his trance and I was at the flower shop What do you think Homer was up to? <laughs> because Homer's like Yes I was at the flower shop too <laughs> get, Yeah get, Getting good and drunk At the flower shop So clearly it knows <laughs> Or You know um, Eating flowers His secret shame <laughs> That is true Yes <laughs> That's one of my favourite moments <laughs> I love secret my shame. secret shame <laughs> I found a screen cap of it somewhere And I keep dragging it out For you know, certain things Whenever I'm sort of like Singing the praises of a, a a terrible movie or whatever I'll sort of, you know, say, hey, I really like such and such and then I'll put belief, oh, my secret shame. It's just the, the pose of Homer touching his forehead. Oh, I know, that's lovely. <laughs> oh, so well animated that moment. So, so great. Then we get Bob taking Bart to Krusty Burger. Now, this was the moment that I remembered the most from this episode, Bart smashing the Krusty <laughs> with um, with Bob. So, Working like, the groin. The groin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the Lou points out to uh, to Chief Wiggum, hey, we should probably do something about this. And this is where Bob even says, this is where we're going to do, uh, do the same to Krusty tomorrow night at his farewell show. <laughs> <laughs> just revealing the whole plan. I love it. Yeah. These guys are just so engrossed in their burgers and, and free little trinkets that come in the Happy Meal that they're just, eh, forget it. Oh, mini, oh, mini pinball. Uh, but when I saw that, I was like, you know what? Even when you're an adult, the little toys in Happy, in happy Meals, they just fill you with joy. <laughs> They do. I mean, look, it's been a long time since I got a Happy Meal because I'm a oh, grown-up yes. now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a grown-up and I have a, la- I have a large quarter-pounder meal. I Last time I went to Macca's, the Happy Meal was like a bottle of water, pasta, and apple slices. And I was like, there's nothing happy about that at all. This is, this is just a meal. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
this this isn't fun. <laughs> this is the most blatant well, case of false advertising since the never-ending story. This is un- an unhappy meal. <laughs> where the fuck is Grimace? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> the, I'll tell you where the Grimace is. It's on my face when you order me a fucking happy meal <laughs> rather, rather than a cheeseburger. Oh, man. So we come back from commercial. And Bob, as you, you don't realize it's a dream until after. You sort of con a little bit later, but Bob's dreaming of Bart burning Krusty to death. Were you a little uncomfortable seeing Bart holding a gun pointed at somebody? Uh, no, not in the slightest. I think, but see, I think it's because I'm currently in the middle. Nick and I are watching this show called Inside Shooter on Stan, and it's a detailed, detailed oh. like each, each episode is all about the mass shootings of the last 20 oh, years golly. in America. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> that'd do it. <laughs> yeah, so we've been watching that, and I watched this, and I was like, I'm not really happy with this. <laughs> but, but um but yeah, so it's just a flame floor in the end. Burns crusty. So yeah, so Bob wakes up, disappointed that it was a dream, but still is excited that tonight it's gonna go down and then unfortunately the bug spray comes because he's staying in the uh in the story sheds. Mm. Then we're at Krusty's final show and it's the red carpet. Ron Howard makes another appearance and Gary Coleman. He, he, so Gary Coleman actually appears. That's Gary Coleman doing that. Hey, yeah, again. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I waited till the, uh, I, I watched the end credits and oh yeah, they got Gary Coleman back just to make the Kung Fu noises and that's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and Wolfcastle is now a mess. Randy Wolfcastle. Yeah, tough times for Rainier. Yeah, I mean, he's, what, lowered his price to $8 million a movie and willing to do nude, nude scenes or play nerd. I mean, I, I don't know if this sort of echoes the c- career trajectory of, um, of Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. He wasn't quite the... Yeah, his career was on the downward swing a little bit at this stage. He was never, it was never at this level, though. Oh, no. No, 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 absolutely not. He was never, you know... I play nerd. No, no, he's never that bad. But I uh, would do nude. <laughs> <laughs> do nude scene. <laughs> uh, the plants. So there's there's three plants that are shaped like Sideshow Bob, and I feel like classic Simpsons. The the funny side of this would have been that you're expecting Bob to be behind one of them, but he would have appeared somewhere else. But mm. instead, in this one, he's just behind one of the plants that looks like he's like looks like his hair. I was like, ah, okay. Well, that's not very clever, but anyway. Um, then we get the uh, the Chimpendales dancer doing the full monkey. It is just fantastic, isn't it? That's uh, that works on multiple levels. First of all, Chimpendales, then the full monkey, and then just you know the cherry on that particular cupcake is just Homer. Take it off. <laughs> I was so invested in it. <laughs> Thank you, folks. Now fasten your funny belts. As our own Chimpendales dancer gives you the full monkey. I believe in miracles. Take it up! You sexy thing, sexy thing, you. Then the, uh, the, the crusty flashback videos talking about his career, getting banned for saying pants. Uh, <laughs> then uh, it was like 10 years later, he couldn't open the door. And then he gets banned for like another 22 years. What, what was that show meant to be a takeoff of when he couldn't open the door? Oh, that's Laugh-In. That's Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, which was kind of like okay. a Saturday Night Live of its, uh, of its time. Okay, yeah. Then Bob gets Bart to, uh, to come down and to the... Where, where is that? It's like the sewer. It's like fucking Pennywise getting him to come down. But he's into like a, some oh, sort yeah. of room downstairs. Bob puts uh, plastic explosives on Bart. Um, and when he when Krusty says the line, I've never had such a great audience. That is his cue to go and hug him and blow him up. I really mm-hmm. did enjoy this next this next part. So Krusty's like, Oh, I wanted this to be secret. <laughs> I didn't want to make a big fuss about this. And it's Hibbert revealing that Krusty never paid for the Krusty Care Center. 
that whole thing about stop the payment or something along yeah. those lines. <laughs> I just thought the kid was adorable. God bless you, Quasti. <laughs> when, it, when, a, when a kid says W instead of R, it's always adorable. <laughs> it is a bit. Yeah, I, I hope I I do hope that Elliot does that. He does. Yeah, he's thinking at the moment. He's, he's some words he says with like a lisp, but like, it's not a lisp. It's, it's really hard to describe, but. It just sounds so cute when he says it. Like today's like swimming in the pool. <laughs> it just sounded so Aww. funny. <laughs> swimming, <laughs> swimming in the pool. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh uh, man, I should try and get him to say it, and I'll put it at the end of this podcast. Hopefully, <laughs> stay tuned, listeners. Maybe at the end of this podcast, you might hear Elliot, Elliot, uh, Elliot saying swimming in the pool. Um, <laughs> so Bart is then uh, no Bob is then watching from the rafters with kettle chips, which resulted in the Simpson staff getting sent. Bags and bags of free kettle chips. It's not. It's nice to know that even yeah, even people in you know one of the most coveted gigs in show business, uh, uh, you know, can be swayed by swag. But I'm just like, I'm watching this going. Well, the writers were clearly digging kettle chips that day, so they obviously were just. It, to me, it kind of feels like the writers. They, and we've mentioned this before. They're really writing the show for themselves there, aren't they? <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> we've had a lot of fun. Oh, crusty. This is your Waterloo. Soon you'll be Napoleon blown apart. Ugh, terrible. Oh, hush up, Leo. Krusty then ends up uh, apologizing to Bob. But before I sweep up my last spotlight, there's one thing I've got to say. Over the years, I've a lot of whoa. And I've my share of aluga. But there's only one thing I'm ashamed of. Ashamed? There was a man who used to work for me. A man of grace and humor. But I mistreated him and drove him to a life of crime. So wherever you are, I just want to say, Sideshow Bob, I'm sorry. Oh, Bob, you repaid my abuse with raw hatred. But I need you today, oh, Bob. Well, you went to Apu's and you framed me. So they locked me away. Oh, that sweet, funny man. Oh, no, my boy bomb. Well, good night and... Oh, look, it's a toe-headed little fan. What do you say, folks? Should I hug him? Mr. Teeny notices something's up, so he goes down, swings down like Tarzan, gets the, the bombs, takes it off Bart, throws it into the executives, and they all gel back together like the, uh, the T-1000? T-1000. Yeah, T-1000 yes. in T-2, which I'm just like, eh, whatever. Can we just get rid of the executives by this point, please? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> We're then at dinner. I believe it's Luigi's. So this is this doesn't oh, this does uh, does kind of happen when you use your phone sometimes. But Marge taking the photo and she takes it just as everyone's saying the word funny, so everyone's faces all fucked up. Like I think the thing <laughs> is now, the thing is now, like if that happens, you can just get, take a new one. Back in like two thousand and one, with your little wind up camera, you just had to pray that you took the photo at the right time, didn't you? I oh, know, oh, a different time. It, it's it's so weird thinking about that. Like you know. Yeah, that you uh, would have to wait a few days and real and you know before you you know discovered if you had any good shots at all. But it was almost like the excitement of seeing. Oh, did the photo come out? Did the photo come out? You know. It, yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, and and you know, in, in like a pack of uh, you know, how many how many exposures were usually on a on a traditional bloody roll of film? About twenty four. Twenty four to thirty ish, I think. Yeah, and you'd usually, you know, they'd usually be like maybe two good ones. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that back in the day, because now we just take photos of anything, but back back in even like two thousand and one. If it wasn't a moment, you weren't wasting your fu- you weren't wasting some film on it, were you? <laughs> oh god, no! I mean, we were you walking around your house, you know, with a little even a um, even like a disposable camera or whatever, or the smallest camera you could get, just you know, taking photos of your food, or you know, taking yeah. photos of yourself all the time. No, <laughs> no, no. But, but back then, you just ate food. You didn't have to tell everyone what you were eating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, they're, they're there. Krusty forgives. Um, forgives Bob because whenever Bob tries to kill him it's huge ratings and then we find out that Bob's getting the death penalty uh, so yes, with, without a uh, trial that is yes no customary trial I wonder if this is their way of assuming maybe the show's coming to an end this might be the last time we get Kelsey Grammer on the show let's kill Bob off without actually killing him off maybe but I mean I think uh, I think Kelsey you know enjoys doing Bob so much that uh Look, I think the show benefits... Uh, I think Kelsey enjoys playing Bob, and I think the show benefits from the character of Bob. So, yeah, look, I don't think this would be uh, a, a, a sayonara to, uh, to Sideshow Bob. I think, uh, yeah, it's just a... It's not a great way to end the episode, but, you know, it's not a terrible way either. It's kind of like... You know, it's, it's a bit unexpected. Like, wow, you're rolling in, rolling in a guillotine? Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just... My, my thinking is that perhaps Al Jean at the time was thinking, maybe the show might not last too much longer... We may not be able to get Kelsey back in time for the show to be over. It could be over in like the end of season 12 or 13. They, they, they didn't know. So this episode was sort of a way of having Bob and Krusty end up on good terms, but we also potentially do kill off Bob. So it just say this, let's just say the show got cancelled at the end of season 12. They could in turn say, oh yeah, you know, Bob got, Bob got you know, the death penalty, he got killed off. But they never actually show it just in case the show didn't get cancelled. I don't know. Okay, yeah. So what? The, so, so it's an even money bet on their part. Yeah, basically. So it's like, you no. Know, if they don't get cancelled, then they can bring Bob back. If the show gets cancelled, then they can say, oh well, this was Bob's finale. Oh, there we go. Okay, no, it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, very level-headed way of looking at it, Dan. I, I like where your head's at. What did we learn, Palmer? What'd you learn, Mister Davis? Um, I learned that if I'm going to come up with a kick-ass pun like Napoleon blown apart. Um, I'd better not be doing it near Leo, who's just going to be a complete buzzkill and, and disrespect disrespect my good work. I learned that there's something wildly fascinating about a chimp doing a striptease. I mean, I would actually pay money for this. Take it off! From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, guys, it is time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. The current leaderboard stands at this in third position on six points, Garode Harrahill. In second position, Josh Hedge on nine. And tied for first position, we have D.L. Gorman and Al Sedanik, both on 12 points. So what new names do they have for Dave the Jack and Apes, Mr. Davis? Well, look, we uh, are getting big, big numbers. I mean, uh, we commented last week on uh, we got close to 100. Again, this week, uh, about 94 new titles for Day of the Jack and Apes. It's but crazy in just two days, basically. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're coming out of the woodwork. It's fantastic. <laughs> they're um, on the bandwagon. <laughs> yes. But to um, we, we got 93 new titles, but to misquote Highlander, there can be only three. Uh, so let's go with three, two, one, and starting with one... It's uh, Henrik Vinterland. Henrik uh, Vinterland with the yeah. one point. Indeed. For Embraced and Diffused. Ooh, a nice play bad, on eh? Dazed and Confused. 
Very good there. So that's his first appearance on the new name championship this year. So well done, sir. He's now in the draw for the wildcard prize. Welcome to the board, Hendrik. Uh, two points. Go to our man, Josh Hedge. Ooh, he's climbing his way closer to first position. Still in second on 11, but still he's getting there. What has he, he got? He is getting there. I like this one a lot. Um, the Bombus Clown Affair. Hmm. I mean, um, I think we, I think we've noticed a bit of a, um, bit of a theme emerging with my picks this uh, this time around. Plays on various titles, but um, but that's what the thing is though. That's what the Simpsons tend to do. They 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 uh, take the piss or they sort of pay homage to something from the past that they like, and that's that's what seems to be what the Simpsons writers go with. So it just makes sense that that's what the Guy Davis Do Championship's going with. I was thinking that would be the case when I saw the Bombers Clown Affair and thought. I reckon that would have been on the wall. That would have been up on the whiteboard or the blackboard or the chalkboard or whatever in the uh, in the Simpsons writers' room. It's it's it fits. It works. Mm-hmm. But but I'll tell you what works even better, and what gets three points this time around. Hit me. What is it? Gear Oid Harahud. He's back. <laughs> He's back. He's all guns blazing. Gets three points for. The Bob That Couldn't Blow cra- Clown. <laughs> I saw this one actually and thought, that's very good. Well done, Garode. Yes, that is The great. Bob That Couldn't Blow Clown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done, sir. So, Garode Harahill. So, two of our top three got points this week. So, Garode still in third on nine. Josh Hedge on 11. So, Garode caught up uh, one point on Josh there as well as D.L. Gorman and Alistair Denick still in first position, both on 12, getting very tight at the top. And in fourth position, we have a four-way tie, I'm sorry, three-way tie, David Abbott-Smith, Nicole Catalina Winemixer, and James Proctor all on five points. So the gap between uh, the top three and the rest is starting to sort of get a bit bigger. But uh, that top three, though, Grode on nine, Josh Hedge on 11, and the top two, D.L. and Alistair, both on 12. Ooh, it's heating up, Mr. Davis. It, it is indeed. Look, we like it when it's tied up top. But having said that, it's not exactly sloppy and loose down below either. We're, uh, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing at that. That's, that's, that's not meant to be funny at all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, look, keep them coming with the great uh, alternative titles. We are in constant awe and amazement at your imagination and wit. Uh, yeah, you, you guys out there, our, our four finger discount patrons and listeners, you're you're a sharp bunch. You're a clever. You're a clever bunch of cats. Much appreciated at this end. We love each and every one of you. If you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, where first prize wins you a hundred dollars, and if you get your name just on the leaderboard, you get entry into the wild card prize as well which is, I believe, $50. Is that what we gave away last year, Mr. Davis? $50? I think it was $50. That sounds about right, <laughs> just, yeah. You're just going to be a four-figure discount patron for as low as $1. That's a single dollar. Uno dinero. Happiness. $1. Just go to patreon.com slash four-figure discount. you find the link in the description of this podcast. But for now, Mr. Davis, I think it's time for... Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! Yes, it's the mailbag, according Ooh. to Homer. So, we have a few <laughs> questions coming through this week for Day of the Jack and Apes. Uh, the first question here comes from our man, Noah Daniel, uh, who we spoke to on Zoom last week or the week before. I think I don't think I spoke last week because of the whole newborn baby thing, but uh, we spoke to him. He was, he's the groundskeeper at a, uh, at a, at a school. He's the, he's the groundskeeper, really, a four-finger discount, Noah oh, Daniel. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Getting out and getting into nature. Good on you, Noah. That's it. So he says, what type of exotic animal would you like to have as a pet if he had the proper training, he or she? Well, I think I've spoken in the past about how, you know, you can't trust a chimp. 
You know, I mean, they appear all sort of, you know, vaguely human-like and kind of charming and <laughs> and all that kind of business, and that's good fun. But you know, turn your back or rub them the wrong way, and they'll basically rip your penis off or or rub, other the, rub them the wrong way, and they'll rub their shit on you. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you'll get some shit flung at you. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, neither Elliot nor Holly have have done that at any stage, but. Uh, I get the feeling a monkey would probably do that. Having said that, if I could get a properly trained chimp with a lifetime guarantee that it will not try to murder me in my sleep or rip off my body parts, um, I think a chimp would be great fun to have around the house. Um, likewise, a big cat, um, you know, like a like a tiger or a leopard or a lion or something. Although part of me is kind of like, oh, such magnificent creatures should not be, you know, confined to a, a three bedroom. <laughs> One-story house in Hearn Hill. Um, um, and, of course, Dando, you'll know this, uh, my appreciation for the fox is, yes. uh, is long-standing. And is fox exotic, though? Uh, they're not really exotic. I think they're more pests. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd love a fox. I'd love a fox as a pet. I think they'd be marvellous. I mean, but I did see the other day... I think in the paper, I don't know where it was, but it was like some uni students or whatever. They saw a fox on the street and one went to go, oh, it's a fox, how cute, went to pat it and the fox just bit the hell out of its hand. Oh, of it's course like, it did. Yeah, yeah, they're, because they're feral animals. Because a, <laughs> a, fox, a fox is a wild animal, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think your, um, your kitty cat wouldn't appreciate a fox being around. That's true. Look, I think uh, when Basie reaches the end of his line, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get a fox to share the house with, uh, with Camp Basie the cat. Nor would I get, you know, like a leopard or a jaguar or anything like that to share the house with King, with Camp Basie, or and certainly not a chimp. <laughs> Although you do see you you see adorable stories on the dodo or whatever, you know, like you know that site the dodo where they've got all the cute animal stories. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that brightens my day on Facebook these days, besides the Patreon group. <laughs> oh, I love the dodo. Um, <laughs> I think they often have you know cute stories about <laughs> these two animals who you wouldn't expect to be friends are besties, you know, and. You know, often it's the case. Yeah. I think it would be great, though, to sit around watching you know, classic sitcoms or whatever and just having a monkey just pissing themselves laughing with you. <laughs> It'd be so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm just picturing that. Thing. Oh, God, it's marvellous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you have an animal that you would like to have at your house? Too? I was just thinking, I, I, I was thinking chimp as well. Just one that would just be sitting there eating Doritos, just having a great time watching Seinfeld <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, so, Andy Gangler says, What show do you feel has been impacted either negatively or positively by a sudden change in management? Off the top of his head, he would probably say Scrubs. He thinks the last season was unwatchable. I think Community for me. This is the one that I was going to say. Well, that I that I am saying as well. Yeah, I think we one hundred percent agree on community. I have, I watched a few episodes of season four, and I have not watched any more since then. I mean, and I understand that Dan Harmon actually did come back. He, yeah, I think it was like season five. Six, did he come back? Five or five, six? Five was it. okay. So so he missed the season. Because I remember I like worshipped community. I watched it religiously, and then I didn't realize that they changed management. But I remember that it just the show stopped feeling. Right, it just didn't mm. feel the same, and I just—not I, that I stopped liking it. I just sort of stopped making an effort to go out of my way to download it and watch it. Sorry, downloaded it because we couldn't get it in Australia at the time. <laughs> yeah. But I—I I, I remember I wasn't aware the management changed. The show just didn't feel the same. And then I learned afterwards that Dan left the show. I'm assuming to go make Rick and Morty. Is that right? I think so, but I, I don't know if it was the case if he was—he jumped or he was pushed. By I, I know there was so, there was tension there somewhere, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. But that, that definitely the show the show just did not feel the same without him at the helm. 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I remember thinking those few episodes of season four of Community that I saw, I thought, this isn't terrible. I mean, they'd assembled enough good talent and built up enough goodwill by that stage. It was like, oh, yeah, it's all right. But I mean, no, but it was not event television the way it was in those first three seasons. And in all honesty, the last episode of season three kind of wraps everything up quite nicely. Yeah, it does. The, it's uh, sort of like a, a three-series show. You can just leave it at that if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah sure. you, you get the indications like, oh, these people have sort of grown a bit. They're finding new directions in their life. I mean, I remember that uh, Donald Glover's character, Troy, he sort of, was it the one where he... The last episode was one where he sort of became a plumber and he feel like he had like a real knack for it. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh man, I didn't, I don't want to be a plumber. And then by the end of it, he's kind of like, no, it's actually good to be good I at something. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, taking pride in, um, in a job well done. It was, a, it was a really nice closure of his arc. And I think they did that for a lot of the characters and it just felt right. So, um, look, I hear good things about, uh, you know, the, um, the later seasons, the later episodes. And, I mean, they bring in good actors like Keith David and Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, mainly to replace Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase leaves the show, right? I think Chevy left midway through four. Or, yeah. or maybe I mean, even at the start of four. Yeah. He's got his criticisms, but he was fantastic on that show. He added, look, he added, a, he added uh, something necessary and vital to the ensemble. I thought, I thought, he, yeah, 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 definitely. He was there for like the awkward humor, and I'm never usually big on awkward humor, but he didn't go overboard with it. He was just saying, he was more so saying stuff that your, your, you know, your old uncle would say at the Christmas table that just you know is offensive, but you're like, oh god, it's yeah. Uncle Rob. I know you just got to forget. Just, it's just it's, that's just Uncle Rob. That's what Chevy Chase was in the show. He's that crazy old racist uncle. <laughs> Very much so. And look, everybody's got one, or everyone's got you know proximity to one. So yeah, bring it in and keep it in. But uh, yeah, look, I think Community is it's certainly the one that we agree on there, Dando. Alice Kaylee Burton says, "What do you think is the perfect side dish for revenge or otherwise?" <laughs> I like that for revenge or otherwise. And uh, our man Dave Abbott Smith. Uh, threw in an answer to this uh, on the page. A very good answer, may I say, because I think he said mashed potatoes with garlic chives and gravy, which just seeing those Ooh. words make, made my mouth water. Are you a fries or steak cut chip man? Does it depend, does it depend on what you're eating? Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm eating steak, then I want steak cut chips. Um, what about like, if you're having a burger? Then I, want, then I like fries. Do you really? Okay, yeah. Well, I guess well, fries sort of... It's, it feels more fast foody, doesn't it, fries? Well, yeah. I remember feeling very disappointed when Hungry Jack's stopped doing the real thin French fries yep. and instead did sort of slightly fatter chips. It's like... They are delicious, though, but still, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I think yeah, when, I, I, when I'm getting fast food, I think, like... Growing up, it was like oh, we always got Maccas when I was a kid. I mean, I haven't had Maccas in so long now. I'm a KFC man all the way, so I like mm-hmm. I like chips. But sometimes fries are a, there's something different. There's a different texture to them, and it does depend. I think when you have I had a burger, I would have been I don't know three weeks ago. Out we went out to the local cafe, and yeah. they served it. They said chips, but they served it with fries, and I was like, oh, fries. Then I ate the fries, and I was like, ooh, fries. This is good. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> because you can because the the aioli lasts longer. I find I don't, I don't eat through them as fast because you get. You know, if you have one chip each bite, you might have fifty fries as opposed to twenty chips. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm I'm very partial to I'm partial to fries with certain things, I'm, and I'm partial to steak chips with uh, or steak fries with steak, with, with other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the hot chicken project here in Geelong, fantastic. You know, sort of fried chicken joint. Uh, they'll have fries as a side that just works. It it works so much better than it would with chips, if you ask me. So, I don't know. It's kind of horses for courses, but. Uh, 
Yeah, when it comes to a burger, certainly, uh, certainly fries. When it comes to a steak, certainly steak chips. I found America was very big on fries. Everywhere we went, if it was if it was a side dish, it was like a burger joint. They typically always had fries. Didn't really do wedges or anything like that, or or fatter chips. Nah, not well, not not as the. I guess if you ask for them, maybe. But as the standard, it tended to be fries. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just the places we went to. But um, anyway, one thing I remember as a side thing that I never realized until I went to America was an actual thing was potato chips or potato crisps on the side with burgers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've. I've they do that with sandwiches as well, more, more yeah, often. Yeah, N- Nicola does it. And I was like, you're fucking crazy. Who the fuck does this? She goes, that's the normal thing to do. I'm like, no. And we went to America. <laughs> and we went to that, is it Guy Ferreri, whatever his name is? Oh, Guy we Fieri, his, yeah. Fieri, yeah. We went to his place in Las Vegas and they served like a side of potato crisps chips. And I was like, huh, well, there you go. I, I don't mind doing that every once in a while if I'm having like a, um, you know, like a steak sandwich or, uh, you know, trying to make my own Reuben or whatever. And I want a little crunchy thing on the side, but I can't be asked making my own chips or heating up McCain's or anything like that, which I don't really do. I'll, you know, just get a good bag of kettle chips or something and have a few of those on the side. Works. Well, works. Our, our, our man, our man Roland from um, from Culture, our the, no, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Our Shout local, out to Roly. Yeah, our resident US man. He, whenever he has a sandwich at work, he's always got a packet of chips with him. Yeah. <laughs> God bless Roly. He's a good man. That guy. He is, um, he is a. Uh, yeah, saint. <laughs> indeed. But look, Dave uh, mentioned that mashed potato, which sounded just delightful. When I was thinking of uh, a side, I was thinking of a vegetable dish that uh, a good friend of mine, Justine, prepared one night. Uh, I think we were having meatloaf, but on the side we had broccolini cooked with garlic, a uh, bit of goat's cheese and slivered almonds mm. and, and a you know, fair whack of olive oil on there as well and you know, a bit of salt and pepper. And, you know, I was initially, oh, broccolini, it's a bit too close to broccoli for my liking. And she said, just eat it, you dickhead. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> and God damn, it was good. And I've been making that uh, as a bit of a side ever since. So, yeah, good broccolini, just pan fried, not for too long. Maybe steam it a bit first. Um, yeah, then garlic, goat cheese and slivered almonds. Fantastic. Really, really Don't nice. Don't you love it when you take a risk on a new food, something you haven't really bothered or wanted to t- try, and it just pays off and you're like, oh my God, I've just opened myself up to a whole new world. And that's exactly it. It's, it's, um, it's Obi-Wan just basically you know, standing over your shoulder at the dinner table saying, you've taken your first step into a larger world. <laughs> and final question here is from Talia Enriquez. She says, for what nefarious purposes would you use hypnosis in your life? Have you thought about this, Dana? Would you use hypnosis? I, to- I just read that question for the first time. I didn't. I don't read the questions anymore. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm thinking. Well, obviously, the first one would be if you get someone to do your job for you. It's particularly when we're in lockdown. If you're working from home and you could hypnotize somebody to do your job for you, and your boss doesn't realize you're not actually doing the one, you're not actually the one doing the job, that would pay off. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use them for evil. I just haven't got it in me. What about you? I think I would probably use hypnosis to get people to start smoking. To start smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the guy from work I used to work with at Ford. He tried the hypnosis thing with um, just to stop smoking. And it lasted all about two days. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah, it just didn't work. He, like, he, I, I, it was one of those things where it's kind of like when you go to the chiropractor and they fuck around with your back and you're like, well, I pay money for this <laughs> and they're supposed to be a professional, so I guess it's working. <laughs> and then you're just like, no, nah, it's not at all. <laughs> um, but what, what would you do? Besides getting people to um and uh, make their lives shorter by smoking, <laughs> I, th- I, I like your idea about getting people to maybe do, if not your complete job, then certainly more of the onerous tasks. You know, I mean, 
I don't. I, I like having people over my house occasionally, but at the same time, it's like uh, my house always feels just a tad grubby. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not revolting. I mean, you've you've set foot in my house. It's not disgusting. Was it disgusting, Dando? Um, no, of course it wasn't. <laughs> oh, thank God. But at the same time, I get the feeling if I was going to have people over, I would sort of say, "Oh, by the way, just look at the clock for a moment." Tick, 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 tick. Oh. <laughs> Hey, there's a broom over there. Would you mind just picking up that broom for a second? Maybe just you know, <laughs> sweeping around. Hey, man, no worries. My pleasure. The more the merrier. And you, invite, they, you, know, you invite them over for dinner, leave all the ingredients on the bench, and then hypnotize them to cook it for you. Oh, that's not a bad idea either. Although I like <laughs> cooking. I, I find it very therapeutic. Yeah. So, uh, only, only though if you're the only one in the house. When, 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 I've, when I'm trying to cook and there's fucking kids running around everywhere, I'm just like, oh, I don't like it. I get anxious and I just, it annoys me. But if I'm home by myself and I'm left to you know, cook a dish, give me a good hour or two, it's bliss. Put a record it is, on. It is. It is. You know, it's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember saying that though to the lovely Louise saying, oh, you know, I enjoy cooking. It's therapeutic. She said, you don't have children, do you? Yeah, that's exactly, exactly <laughs> right, man. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that is the mailbag for Day of the Jack and Apes. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Next week, Mr. Davis, we've got one yes. of the uh, the classic episodes called New Kids on the Black. It's the NSYNC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great episode. So NSYNC and the Ivan Netanyahu joined the Navy's liminal message. I can't wait for this one. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, so yeah like I said thank you guys so much for tuning in don't forget rate and review us in the iTunes store follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount and you can now by the way guys email our man Mr. Davis personally he has a new email it's guy at fourfingerdiscount.com.au oh inundate me with stuff yes do it don't forget if you want to send your questions in mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au we had a bit of a clean out I saved a lot of the messages that we hadn't answered yet that's a lot of the um, the questions so we're going to be reading those out in the next few weeks but continue to send them through mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au alright Mr. Davis any final words for the listeners my luck <laughs>